All right, it is April 10th, 2017. I am Levi Griffin, and this is Word Today. Uh, today we'll be talking about dealing with difficulty. I've had several people that have went through things on their jobs, that have gone through things in relationships. I've often, I often get uh, considered for counseling when people have problems in their marriages. Uh, people are just stressed out about life. Come on, who hasn't been just stressed out? about life, who hasn't had some type of problems and have had to deal with some difficulty. I know I have. I'd be the first to raise my hand. I'll raise both hands right now and say, hey, I've had to deal with some difficult situations with people passing, with stress on the jobs, with people that love me, but uh, they kind of plot against you and they call them frenemies. You're like, hey, I, I thought you were rooting for me to win. Sometimes the worst things you can ever tell a friend is how God is blessing you. I found that the most difficulty I've come across in my life is when God has blessed me. Uh, and I want to share that not in the arrogant way, but to say, Hey man, I've been praying for a house and God has finally given me a house or I've been praying for X, Y, Z and guys have been praying with me. We've banded together in prayer and God has delivered it. And you find some of the people that were you felt were rooting for you and were really rooting against you once you got it. And that can be difficult. You say, man, I trust you. I love you. You're in my inner circle. So just dealing with difficulty. And today we're going to talk about dealing with difficulty, whether it's stress at the job, whether it's relationships, whether it's health, whether it's people dying, whether it's uh, betrayal. We're just going to talk about dealing with difficulty. Lord, please anoint this session in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have four tips for you for dealing with difficulty. Do and don't. Some do's and don'ts. Uh, number one, on the do side, state reality and seek Jesus. One thing people do, and they do this all the time, uh, they kind of call it, they think they're faithing. They're, they're, they're speaking on items of faith and they're, they're building their faith up and, and calling things that are not as if they were. Uh, I'm going to just tell you state reality and seek Jesus. Let's look at Matthew 9, 18 through 19. As Jesus was saying this, the leader of a synagogue came and knelt before him. My daughter has just died. He said, but you can bring back to life again. You can bring her back to life again if you just come and lay your hands on her. So Jesus and his disciples got up and went with him. Um, My daughter has just died. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, Hey, my daughter is ill. That wasn't the case. His daughter was dead. He didn't say, Hey, my daughter, you know, we're going through a rough time, but we're believing in the miraculous power of the almighty God. No, no, he didn't do that either. He just says, Hey, my daughter has died. State the reality. And some people think stating reality uh, means that you don't have faith. No, it's, I think it's the opposite. Stating reality saying, Hey, this is the case. But as the man said, you can bring her back to life again. State the reality, seek Jesus. I think not stating the reality is what hurts us. If someone's dying and sick and we're just going around and saying, hey, well, you know what? I believe that God is just going to heal this person. I think that just God is going to, uh, you know, and that's good to say that stuff. But if you start going around and saying, hey, uh, do, you, do you have leg pain? No, I don't have leg pain. Oh, okay. Well, if you say you don't have leg pain and you really do, why, why would you pray about it? Why would you see God's face? I think that type of talk takes us out of it. Now, I, and I have to be extremely clear about this. I'm not saying talking to it. I heard this powerful 
uh, Creflo Dollar came to my church and he spoke. And one of the things he said was, you know, if there's a problem, you God gives us dominion and the authority to speak to the problem. Now, if you're saying leg pain in the name of Jesus, I declare you healed. That's one thing that is acknowledging the problem, but also uh, so that is stating reality. You say leg pain, pain in my leg. That's the reality. In the name of Jesus, I declare that you will be healed, that you will be healed. That is stating reality, seeking Jesus. What's not stating the reality is saying, I don't have leg pain. Well, if you don't have leg pain, why pray? If you don't have leg pain, why seek God? So this is this is going to be a point where a lot of you probably want to email me. Do fine. Email me. Holla back at yahoo.com. Uh, H-A-L-L-A, B as in boy, A, K as in kilo at yahoo.com. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your comments. But when I see prayer in the Bible, it's not uh, denying that there is an issue. It's saying, hey, there is an issue. Let me see God. Matthew 8, 5 through 13, the faith of a centurion. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him. Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. So are you saying the centurion didn't have faith? On the contrary, Jesus said, I hadn't seen faith like this in, all, in anywhere. In all of Israel, I hadn't seen faith like this. So Jesus saying this man has faith. But this man didn't come up and saying, hey, my, my, my servant is healed. He said, hey, he's paralyzed and he's suffering terribly. But so he stated the fact. But then you see, uh, as you read on, that he sought Jesus. He's here talking to Jesus. And he says, hey, you just speak the words Jesus said is done. He stated the reality of the situation. But once again, he sought Jesus and stated, Jesus, this is the reality of the situation now. But I know that if you get involved, the reality of the situation tomorrow will be dramatically different. State the reality. Seek Jesus. This is the issue. But Jesus, I know you can handle it. Don't call rain sunshine. First, don't. Don't call rain sunshine. Romans 4, 16, 17 is what the argument is. People say, well, uh, you know, what about, you know, calling that which is not as though it was. And you, you got to say, come on. Let's put things in context. This is what happens when you don't read the Bible for yourself. You just hear some preacher that got excited, and now you think this is the this is the way to go. And he may the preacher may be right in context, and your understanding may not be correct. You have to seek the Lord. When you see this Romans four sixteen, you a lot of times it's quoted out of the King James version, and the only part that is quoted is this. It says, "And calleth." Those things which be not as though they were. That is it. That is all they quote, period. Now, if you read the entire scripture or even just a couple verses, it says, therefore, it is a faith. And they're talking about Abraham's faith, that it may be by grace to the end, the end, uh, to, to the end, the promise, reading this King James, uh, might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, back in the day, if you read Old English, this made a lot of sense, but not reading Old English, it doesn't. Not too much, but it, but it still is it's clear when you read verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Once again, referring to Abraham. Before him who he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now, as you read it, you still go, okay, that doesn't sound like he's talking about Abraham. Or this is Romans. Doesn't sound like he's talking about Paul. But let's go to a New Living Translation or any translation other than the King James Version. But here's the New Living Translation. See if it makes a little more sense 
who is calling the things that are not as though they were. So the promises received by faith, once again, called, referring to Abraham, it is given as a free gift and we are all certain to receive it. Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scripture means when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This is happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates nothing, new things out of nothing. The God who brings the dead back to life, who creates new things out of nothing. It calls that which is not as though it were. It is referring to God and creation. And we use it as a reference to ourselves and speaking faith. So I just wanted to clear that up real quickly because before I get a lot of emails saying, hey, but what about that? They're calling things. Hey, you know what? The, the Bible talks about line upon line, precept upon precept. You have to read. You can't read one verse and think you know the Bible. There are some people that read the book of Matthew. And now they know that they, they know the whole word. I'm not saying I know the entire Bible. I have read it multiple times. I do a six month uh, Bible plan where we all read the Bible, go through for six months. Matter of fact, I have to go and print out and sign certificates now for the last group that went through. But it's it's not about reading a verse. It's about reading the, the, the story in context. This He's bragging on God, saying God calls the things uh, that are not. He makes things new. He changes things. Once again, seeking God. Not saying that, that God doesn't give us power. The Bible, Jesus even says, hey, man, you'll do greater things than this. So, yeah, if you want to speak to the leg pain or speak to the cancer or speak to the issue and say, the issue is that I'm getting resistance on the job, but in the name of Jesus, I, I, I pray that there is pathways made. Great. Declare it. Declare it. And the reason you're declaring it because there is an issue. All I'm saying here is faith is not ignoring the issue, pretending it'll go away. Faith is acknowledging the issue and declaring something different, or even better, acknowledging the issue and seeking God to, to make a change. But either or. Number two. Have faith. And we went over that the word faith means to persuade. When you're dealing with a difficult situation or dealing with difficulties, you need to have faith. Matthew 9, verse 27. After Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind them, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. They went right into the house where he was staying and Jesus asked him. So, so remember, faith means to be persuaded, to persuade. But one, they had to persuade themselves that Jesus was the answer. Or someone else had to persuade them that Jesus was the answer. Two, they had to persuade themselves to be bold about it. These are blind men walking into some stranger's house, screaming out behind the Lord and Savior, who would have been considered at this time like a king by his followers. So you're, you're, you're walking into some stranger's house. You're screaming at Jesus at the top of your lungs, Son of David, have mercy on us. You had to be persuaded. They went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them, do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. Then their eyes were open, and they could see. Hopefully you don't hear my dog snoring down there there at my feet. Um, but but this is this is the case. They had to be persuaded to have faith in Jesus. They had to be persuaded to be bold, they had to persuade themselves that, hey, we're going to risk whatever. We're just going to walk into this guy's house. If he beats us, he beats us. If he kicks us on the street, 
He will. But when he walked in the doors, when they had the faith, the boldness to walk in the door, I'll say, Jesus healed them. Have faith. Persuade yourself in the power of Jesus. When you persuade yourself in the power of Jesus, number one becomes easier. You can acknowledge the pain because you've already acknowledged the Savior who has dominion over the pain. If you hadn't been persuaded that Jesus is the healer, then you just ignore the problem because you don't have a Savior. You know of Jesus, but you don't know Jesus. You hadn't been persuaded to trust in Jesus. But when you've been persuaded to trust in Jesus, then you can say, hey, I can acknowledge this cancer. I can acknowledge this pain. I can acknowledge uh, the marital problem. I can acknowledge the problem with the kids, the problem with the friends, the problem on the job, because I got a, a God who is more powerful than any of those combined, times a 100, times a million. Have faith. Number two on the don't, don't set unrealistic expectations. What do you mean? Let's go to Daniel 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he does not, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Listen, our God can do this. But even if he does not, that does not mean he isn't God. It just means he has a different plan. A lot of times we lose our faith or we get downtrodden. We get a sour mouth because we don't believe that God can have a will different than ours. God, heal this person. Give me this job. God, do this. And when he doesn't, we're upset like our God failed. No, he didn't fail. He just had a plan different than ours. King Nebuchadnezzar, oh, majesty, oh, mighty one. Listen, our God will deliver us. But even if he chooses not to. That doesn't make him not God. That doesn't make his reign any less powerful. That doesn't mean that he is any less wonderful. Yes, God can allow people to die. Yes, God can allow us to lose a job. Yes, God can allow us to lose a child. Yes, God can allow difficult things to happen. But that doesn't mean that he is not still the most amazing, powerful, loving, benevolent God there is. The one and only, the true and almighty. God can have a will. He is allowed to have a will different than my own. Don't set unrealistic expectations. Some people believe, well, God will heal my wife or heal my this or do this. And then if God chooses not to, all of a sudden God has failed or there is no God. Or we're hurt and like, God, how could you allow this? God didn't allow it. He dictated it because there was a greater purpose that you don't know. When you walk into eternity, you'll know the purpose and go, ah, I would have done the same thing, Lord. But right now you don't know everything, but God does. You're playing with a a 20-year-old deck or a 30-year-old deck or a 50-year-old deck or 60-year-old deck, however old you are. But God is playing with an infinite deck, a billion-year-old deck, a trillion-year-old deck. His deck is more stacked than yours, so his decisions are clearer than yours. When it's different than yours, don't doubt God. Doubt your decision. Number three, get rid of the mourners. Do get rid of the mourners. Matthew 9, 23 through 26. Or right here, 23 and 24, excuse me. When Jesus arrived at the official's home, he saw the noisy crowd and he and heard the funeral music. Get out, he told them. The girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. Okay, we started this podcast off by uh, the, the, the official coming to Jesus and saying, hey, my daughter is dead. So now Jesus walks over to the man's house and he sees people playing funeral music. He sees the, sees the mourners. Back then, if you really wanted to honor someone, you'd hire mourners, people that would cry and scream and cause this big commotion. They may put ashes or dirt on their head. They may wear a sackcloth to say, to show how much this person really meant in life. 
So now Jesus told them all to get out, get out, stop playing the bagpipe, stop playing the funeral music, turn the Hammond B3 off, tell the singers in the choir to leave. She's not dead. And everybody's, they start laughing at you. What you She's not dead. One thing you have to do is get rid of the mourners. Get rid of the bagpipe players. Get rid of the people singing the sad songs. If you're surrounded by a bunch of people that, that are mourners, that only sing sad songs, that only know sad revelations, that can only offer condolences instead of hope. I don't want your condolences. Give me some hope. It's good to, to when, when it happens, go, you know what? It's okay. But it's better to say, you know what? It's okay, but God has a better plan. God has a bigger future. God can change this around. Get rid of the mourners. If all you have is a bunch of people around you that see dead things, then then is this isn't the sixth sense. Get rid of them. Get rid of the mourners. The first thing Jesus does is he clears house. Like, listen, I can't do miracles around these people that only want to see death, that only want to see the worst. Oh, well, you know, people lose their jobs all the time. Well, you know, you can still get unemployment. Well, you know, losing a leg isn't that bad. Uh no, nah, nah, if, if that's your outlook, I need people that say, hey, God can change your situation around. Listen, God can still heal this. God can still change things. Listen, I got to get rid of these mourners out of here. Number three, get rid of the mourners. Do that. Number four, don't take control back from Jesus. Because when Jesus kicked the mourners out, this is what happened. Verse, uh, continuing on from verse 24, but the crowd laughed at him. After the crowd was put outside, however, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand and she stood up. Come on, somebody. But the crowd laughed at him. Now, mind you, the the parents brought in Jesus. So when the crowd laughed at Jesus, that means they're also laughing at the parents, which means in in the the official who was, uh, as one translation says, I think it's the NIV, a synagogue official. This is a religious official bringing in Jesus. Because he's in a desperate need. Everybody else in the synagogue is turning against Jesus. These mourners and hired people, they're laughing at Jesus. This would have been the perfect time or a good time for the official to say, you know what, Jesus, get out of here. I, I made a mistake in bringing you here. They're making, they're laughing at you that now I'm, they'll look, I look like a fool. They're laughing at me. But what you don't want to do is when you invite Jesus in, don't take control back. Don't take the reins back because uh, they laughed at him and Jesus kicked him out. So now the parents have to come in and either make a decision to put Jesus out. Or to stand by Jesus and put the people out. And 25 says this. After the crowd was put outside, they made the right decision. They started laughing at Jesus and Jesus said, get out. And they didn't say, Jesus, no, you get out. We made a decision. They said, well, you know what? You can laugh at Jesus and laugh at us, but y'all still got to go. You still got to get up out here. Don't take control back from Jesus. When thing, when Jesus starts making calls that you don't make, be proud of him. Don't take the reins back. If you could make the, those calls on your own, you wouldn't have needed him. But you called on him, let him do his thing. And the end result is Jesus grabbed the girl's hand and she stood up. Number four, praise God. This is a do. Praise God. Matthew 9, 26. The report of this, and this is continuing. So the girl stands up and it says, now the report of this miracle swept through the entire country. They're praising God. They're praising God. This is, this is amazing. Jesus is amazing. Jehovah Jireh, my banner, my protector, my Lord has done this. Praise him. Number four on the don't side. Don't take credit. A pastor once told me about the three G's, gold, girls, and glory. And if you're a girl, then gold, guys, and glory. It says, don't take credit. Don't touch God's three G's. First thing is don't touch God's gold. How shall a man rob God? Malachi 3, 8 through 18. But in tithes and offerings, don't touch God's gold. Give him his tithes, give him his offering. Don't touch God's girls. Or if you're a girl, don't touch God's guys. 
It says, touch not my anointed. Psalm 105. If you don't marry her, don't be touching it. If you're not going to marry him, don't touch him. Develop something real. Marry the girl or marry the guy. And number three, this is where it comes in. Don't touch God's glory. We found out that holy meant set apart, right? And glory is something that we give. We honor God. When they start reporting around the country that, that Jesus had performed this miracle, don't stand up and be like, yeah, I'm the one that brought him to the house. Yeah, everybody else was laughing. They didn't even know, but I knew. I knew. Let God have his moment. Like, yeah, God is awesome. Well, wasn't it your idea to bring it to him? Oh, I, only reason I had that idea is because I knew who, how powerful God was. God is the winner here. Jesus is to be glorified here. Don't touch God's glory. Don't take credit for something you didn't do. Even if you're the one that declares your leg is healed and then God honors you by healing the leg. There are some prophets that God said their words never fell on the ground. Anything they spoke happened. If you pray for someone and then they, they find a husband and wife or their, they, whatever miracle they were looking for, it gets, it happens. When he comes back, like, Hey, I had such and such pray for me. When they come back, say, No, the only reason my prayer worked is because God honored it. We have to glorify the God that honored the prayer, not the prayer. That's all I got for you guys today. Hopefully you learned something. These are the four. Steps to dealing with difficulties, the do's, the four do's and the four don'ts. Uh, every do has a don't. Every don't has a do. And that's kind of the yin-yang, the balance of life. Love you guys. Uh, see you next time.